Amen. You guys can have a seat. It's so good to be with you again this morning. You got a little bit of the experience in the life of an Ozark Christian College student uh, last night staying in the dorm. Sounds like you guys had some fun. And just like an Ozark Christian College student, you stay up late and then we're back at it early in the morning. So uh, it's good to see you awake. Although I got to be honest, we don't do that that fun dance every morning here. Although I wonder if we should. I, I teach a 7 a.m. class. I'm thinking maybe we need a little bit of that to get us going in the morning. So I might, I might have to use that, get that track from the, the tech people and get it in our 7 a.m. class. Well, today we are continuing to talk about this subject of following God's will. How do we know what God wants for our lives? How do we follow his plan for our life? And I'm guessing if you're here uh, for this event, at least you care just a little bit about finding out. Uh, about God's will. I know there's many different stories and many different reasons you end up here today, but hopefully we can get a little bit of clarity on this subject of how to know God's will. And I think sometimes when we hear that subject, when we hear this, this idea of God's will, it can sound like a mysterious thing and maybe our minds can drift to some of the more extreme or ultra specific ways God has led people. Uh, maybe we think it means we're going to get sent to another country in a faraway land. I remember talking to somebody this past week about this subject and they were like, you know, I'm just kind of sometimes scared to open up my life to God. What is your will? Because I just think it probably means he's going to send me to Africa or he's going to send me to Europe or, or Asia. Like those more extreme or specific things might be uh, one of the first things that comes to our mind. And I do believe God can lead those those ways. I believe he does lead us uh, towards some of those things. But what I want to focus on this morning and really urge you to consider is the basics. What are some of the basic ways in which God leads our life? While the extreme or the, the special scenario, those things happen, what is just the day in, day out type of stuff that God leads us in? And so uh, as I was thinking about some of the basics versus some of the extreme, I was thinking about something that happened a few years ago in sports, one of the biggest events of the year in sports. I got a picture of this moment. Anybody seen that image before? Odell Beckham Jr. making this amazing catch against the Cowboys. Any Cowboys fans in the house? I, I, I wondered, I saw someone hit, oh man, don't show me that again. Do I have to see that again? One of the most amazing catches of all time in the history of football. Odell Beckham Jr. on his way to the end zone. He even gets fouled along the way. Yellow flags flying. And then he gets to the end zone and he makes this unbelievable one-handed catch. They zoom in. It's really almost even like a two or three finger catch that's how good the gloves are these days that he could make this amazing three finger catch for a touchdown unbelievable and as a fan of football i love this play i mean it's an you just gotta marvel at someone making this amazing play but as a father of three boys who are learning how to play football and as an assistant coach for my son's team i actually kind of hate this moment 
because this moment ruined a generation of youth football players because now kids don't want to just get a nice basic catch and catch it in stride and run along, secure the ball, get tackled. No, they want the crazy play. And so coaching kids, you'll, you'll literally see them slow down or like get themselves out of position so that way they can like do the crazy catch and be like, did you see me Odell that? That was amazing, right? They don't want just the basic little fundamental catch. I've got my son Cooper here with me today and him and his three brothers. I can't tell you how many times in our living room, running across the living room, they'd throw each other a ball, dive onto the couch, one-handed catch. I held that. And now that it's basketball season, now the focus is on alley-oops, right? No little kids like, let's just go practice our free throws and our layups. No, they want to do an alley-oop into the dirty clothes basket, right? That's the interesting thing. And I think sometimes when we're focusing on following God's will, the basics, the foundational things, that, that's not the first thing that comes to our mind. But I want to tell you today that if you want to know God's will, there are some things you can absolutely know for sure are His will. I can't tell you exactly what His will is for your life as far as where you're going to live, what your job's going to be, who you're going to date or marry or whatever the case might be. But there are some things I can absolutely tell you are God's will for your life. Because if we want to know God's will, the the best place to start is with Scripture. The Word of God comes out and tells us much of what is His will for our life. There's a verse you've probably heard many times before, but it's a good one. 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All scripture is God breathed. It came forth from the very breath of God through human authors to us so we can know him. So we can know his character. We can know his plan. We can know what's most important to him. We can know what he cares most deeply about. Because really when we're saying what is God's will, we just mean what does God want? What does he care about? What does he think about us? What does he think our lives ought to to look like? And did you notice that verse also says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful. It's useful. It's a helpful resource to us. And I know sometimes, especially if you grew up going to church, sometimes you can hear like, you're supposed to read your Bible and look to the Bible and it sounds like this burdensome thing. Right? I gotta, I know I'm supposed to read the Bible. It's like this verse reminds us there is a resource for you to know the very mind and heart of God. If only you will look. If only you will listen. And that is at the heart of this question. Are you listening? See, if we commit ourselves to thinking and considering what God has already said is His plan, well, then He can take us to the next step and the next step. I think sometimes when we are wondering about God's will, God is saying, hey, I gave you 1,189 chapters to start with, and we can talk, and I got all kinds of plans in mind for you. Just just start there, and let's build on that. It's not a harsh thing. It's not a demanding thing. He's saying, look, I've got so much that I want to give you. I've got so much I want to do through you. Just start with the basics. You know, this Odell Beckham catch, the video of that, there's millions and millions of views on YouTube. 
and other sites, right? People have watched that play over and over and over again. But there's also a video of Odell Beckham talking with another receiver about how to make good catches. How to make a basic good catch. And actually they spend most of the video talking not even about catching, about running the route right. What you do with your feet, what you do with your hands. And I mean, it's still got a million views, but it doesn't have the millions and millions of views because what a lot of kids don't realize is that part of why Odell Beckham Jr. could make that catch is the hours and hours and hours he spent and the time after time he played and just did the right, the basic thing, the simple thing. Do the simple things right and then the, the special moment you can come through. And if you will commit yourself to studying the Word of God, reading the Word of God, I promise you, sky's the limit on what God can do in terms of speaking to you more specifically. And I'll just be honest with you, uh, it is hard work. If you met any students while you were here, if you already knew some students, this time of semester there's big papers due and they can tell you all about the hard work they're doing and translating the Bible and writing papers about the Bible and memorizing portions of the Bible. It's work. But that work allows us to know the very heart and mind of God. Romans chapter 12 has something to say about this as well. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, it talks about do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but rather be transformed. How? How are we to be transformed? By the renewing of our mind. So that you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You want to know God's will? The renewing of the mind. The saturating our mind in Scripture, just allowing page after page and verse after verse to shape our minds and shape our feelings. And then it says, actually, you can know. You can actually have a mind that is prepared to say, you know what, that sounds like God to me. I've I've been getting used to hearing His voice through what He's already said. That sounds like something He would tell me to do. Or you could say, you know what, that does not sound like God's will to me. It doesn't mesh with what I already know about His heart. And about his mind, the renewing of our own minds, the training ourselves to hear his voice through what he's already said. It just makes sense to me to be the place where we should start. Now, I want to actually just give you a little sampling today of some of what he has come right out and said in scripture is his will. It's a little sample platter, like when you go to Applebee's or something. I want, I want a little bit of all the appetizers, right? This is a little sampler of some of what God says is absolutely His will for your life. If, if we turn first to 2 Peter 3, 9, it says, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Turns out one of the things God wants is for us to be saved. Now, I know most of you are here because you're involved in church and you're, you're a Christian and you believe in God, but I don't want to take for granted that that's everybody in the room. Maybe there's somebody that came here just because somebody made you or uh, there was, there was a, a, a cute boy or girl that was going that you were interested in. You're like, ah, what does it hurt? I'll go. Uh, anybody get out of school to drive here a little bit early? few people. See, when I was in high school, I was about anything that got me out of school. I did an entire season of track. Pretty much because I got to miss school for, for track meets. I mean, that's a commitment to getting out of school. Um, and so maybe some of you like me, like, hey, we get to leave early? I'm, I'm in. 
I want you to know that you're here today and you're here to hear God's will for your life to be saved. To come to a place of repentance to say, it's time. It's time for me to turn my life around. I'm trying to hear the voice of God today. He wants you to be saved. And so that is what your youth ministers and your sponsors and every single person who you see up here helping out would love to be helpful for in your life today. Is to help you come to a place where you personally have that relationship with God and you put your trust in Him. But you know something else that verse tells us? It tells us that that's His will not only for us individually, but every other single person on this planet. Every person you know, every person you're related to, every friend, every classmate, every co-worker, what God wants is for them to be saved. And so we can know with absolute certainty that part of what God wants for our lives is for us to help others. And I came here as a student uh, just because I, I knew I had friends that were lost. And I didn't know what it looked like to be a professional minister. I had never thought twice about uh, methods for studying the Bible and how to put together a, a lesson and how to lead a church. I never thought about any of those things from a professional standpoint. I just knew I had lost friends that I wanted to help find Jesus. And I think God says, I can work with that. And then I enroll in classes here and I find out there's all kinds of stuff in here I didn't know. I had never heard of. Uh, I went into to Acts class as a freshman. And I thought, oh, I never heard, of, heard this stuff before. I didn't know we knew what happened to Jesus' disciples after he left. I didn't know uh, where this guy Paul came from. I didn't know how the gospel spread from this little group of people in in Israel to be a global worldwide movement that you and I are part of. I never heard of that, but that's in here and it's blowing my mind and it's broadening my heart and it's helping me feel some sense of concern about others. Not only my friends, but even other people who haven't even heard about Jesus yet. And somewhere along the way with, with classes like Acts and classes like Life of Christ where you study the Gospels and classes like Foundations for Missions where you hear about the different needs around the world, I started thinking, man, I guess maybe somebody's got to go tell people. And I had a group of friends uh, that were students at that same time. And and along the way, we found out that, you know, the the country of Japan, you got 127 million people, less than 1% of them are Christian. You're talking about a modern, safe country where people can legally preach the gospel, yet there's not very many people there doing it. And so we had no amazing vision, no amazing voice from heaven. We just thought, it seems like one of the things that God would say, yeah, that fits my will for somebody to go tell people. And we're just regular folks, just like you, who came to events just like this and said, I don't know. It says that God wants everybody to be saved and and come to a knowledge of him and come to repentance. I guess we ought to do something about that. And so we moved to a city called Nagoya, Japan, a city of about 8.7 million people, smack in the middle of this modern, urban, dense environment. We learned Japanese, we met people and tried to figure out how you start a church there. Rented this sports bar. We got liquor bottles all over the side of our church, but that's okay. We're, we're there. We're, we're singing songs and, and talking about Jesus. And you know what? People started responding. People like Kyoko, people like Masaki, people like Atsushi, people who are now your brothers and sisters in Christ that just came to the same place that you came to where they said, I guess I, I guess I need God. 
And all it took was just saying, gosh, I guess God cares about this. We should do something about it. Is that in his will? He, he said it's something he would want us to do. So, so we don't need to overthink that one. If we are committed to personally and however else we can, sharing our faith with people, well, that's something God says, that is absolutely my will. And he might not send you to Japan. He might send you back to your own hometown. And I know he is later today. He is sending you to be his witness there. I can tell you for certain it is God's will for every single one of your friends at your high school. Every person in your family, everyone you come in contact with, is it absolutely His will for your life and for theirs? For, for them to, to, to come to the knowledge of Him and to receive His grace as expressed through Jesus Christ on the cross. If they would just put their faith in Him and be baptized into the name of the Father and Son, Holy Spirit, they'll receive the Holy Spirit to live a new and empowered life. That is His will for every single person on this planet. We don't have to think about it. We don't have, it's not rocket science. It's just about listening to that call. Now he has other things to say. Just directly for us today. Here is my will. Very simple. First Thessalonians 4.3. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. Now sanctified is kind of a fancy word. It's kind of maybe something we need to explain. All it means is becoming a godly person. It is God's will that you become a godly person. And you know what? When you look in Scripture, it turns out God cares a lot more about your character than He does about your job. He cares a lot more about you becoming a godly person than He does about your geography, where you live. Now, somebody's got to go to places where they haven't heard, but but God's more interested in your transformation into a godly person than He is about certain specific tasks and jobs that you should do. He said, this is my will, that you be holy. And so you can absolutely know that if you devote your energy in becoming a godly person, God says, that's exactly my will for your life. Being a humble, loving person to others. Honoring your parents. uh, Being committed to sexual purity. Being an honest person. All these things. it's, It's again, it's not about a burden. It's about God saying, here's my plan for you. Here's my good for you. If you would only just trust in me and follow my word and hear my voice, you're in my will. And it's useful. It's good. And there are so many pains and troubles we can avoid in this life simply by following that aspect of God's will. And I think most of us in this room could say, you know, most of the deep regret and pain we have comes from times where we said, you know what, I'm going to go my own way. I'm going to try it on my own. I have a I have a hunch God would want me to do this, but but I'm going to do what I feel like right now. And that's one of those things. The older you get, the more of those you can say, "Yep, God knew what He was talking about. He wasn't holding out on us. He was saying, here's my plan: be a holy person, and things will go well for you. I've got good for you. My plan isn't to hurt you or hold out on you. My plan is for your good. If only you would devote yourself to that." So maybe we would love for God to show up today and say, here's your job. Here's what you're supposed to do. Here's where you're supposed to live. Here's who you're supposed to date. But what it turns out, he he says, is, I want you to be a loving person. I want you to be kind. I want you to be patient. I want you to be joyful. 
I want you to be peaceful. I want you to be faithful. I want you to be self-controlled. All the things that His Word says the Holy Spirit will produce in our lives if we walk in step with Him. That is what He's more concerned about today. Are you becoming a godly person? He's absolutely said it's His will for your life. So God says be saved. God says be holy. And God says be worshipful. If we look to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, same book that we already looked at. It says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. God's plan for your life is that you be a worshipful person. Maybe that sounds less interesting than, than, uh, than some specific plan he has for you. But his will for you today is that you wake up with a heart of worship and gratitude. You know, I gotta be honest, I'm not a morning person. I gotta have a couple cups of coffee. I gotta get going a little bit. I gotta do the dance. I gotta do something. But I'm, I'm trying to follow God's word and I'm trying to be the kind of person that the first thing that comes to my mind each day is, is, is God and how good He is. And all that I have to be thankful for and the love that He's shown me in Jesus Christ and the cleansing He has, has produced in my life because of the blood of Jesus. And the hope I can have for this life and the life to come because of His death and resurrection and because of the Holy Spirit of God within us. That I can have a lot to be thankful for today. Even if my day has some things in it that I'm not necessarily looking forward to. Even if there's some things going on that aren't necessarily fun. I know it's His will for me to be thankful. I know it's His plan for me to be a worshiper. And so I want to do everything as worship. I want to... Go to school as worship. I want to go to work as worship. I want to go to the grocery store as worship. I want to have a conversation with somebody and it be worshipful. I want to always have a mind that is looking to Him and giving thanks and praising Him because He's already said, that's my plan for you. And again, it turns out that the more we do that, the more the other things that seem to be troubling to us just kind of fade away. The more grateful we are, the less self-pitying we are, the less stressed out we are. Turns out God knows what's good for us. That He says, if you would just lift your eyes and lift your heart to me, so many of the things that can bog you down will just kind of fade to the sideline. And you can trust in me. God wants you to be saved. He wants you to be holy. He wants you to be a worshiper. These are His will for your life. I can tell you with 100% certainty that's it. Now, I don't know what else he's got in store for you. I do want to tell you that I want to personally invite you to consider coming here as a student and studying God's Word. I mean, you get an opportunity to dig in deep here and to just see more and more of what God says. And I don't want you to leave this place without being invited. I'm telling you, I want every single one of you to think about coming here. I want to see you next fall. Those of you that are seniors, I want to see you in a few years that are sophomores and juniors. Maybe God can do something in your heart and mind like He did in mine and so many other people's. And even if He leads you right back to your own hometown after, that is His context for you to live out His will. It doesn't matter where you are. Anywhere you are, you can be a person who is in His will, worshiping and serving Him and helping others to know Him. Now, there's been this analogy for me that has been really helpful as I've tried to hear the voice of God in my own life. Um, When I was in high school, there was a season where I got really into snowboarding. Anybody snowboard? 
I mean, I had dreams about becoming a professional snowboarder. I just, I spent all the money I had on, on equipment and lift tickets. And I, I just, I gotta be honest, I was just thinking, you know, just one of these days I'm gonna be up there and somebody's gonna be like, man, I noticed you're 180. We wanna sponsor you. And then, you know, I just get to be a professional snowboarder. Um, never happened. Didn't, didn't work out apparently. But, um, but there is this thing that everybody who's gone snowboarding learns, usually the hard way, which is that it doesn't work unless you're moving. Like you can't turn, you can't do anything if you're standing still. If you try, you just fall over. And that's why most people's experience, the first time they go snowboarding, is just they go home with a really sore butt. I mean, that's pretty much your first experience snowboarding because you're going to fall a lot. It doesn't work if you're standing still. It only works if you start to move. And what's amazing is you, once you just kind of go for it, once you just give in and say, okay, there's no way to go but down, then you realize it's only the slightest little nudge, one direction or another, to get going where you need to go. And all of a sudden, something that felt clunky and difficult and impossible, it's just smooth. It's peaceful. Once you get moving, then the slightest nudge, one way or another, takes you where you need to go. And sometimes I think what God is saying when we're looking for His will is just get going. Get going doing the things I've said I already care about for you. Just get going and I can work with that. I can get you where I need to get you. And when we look in the, in the Bible, we see stories of, of God getting people's attention. Moses with a burning bush. This guy Balaam's donkey starts talking. That story's crazy. You know, God talked to, it's, it's not just on Shrek that there's a talking donkey. It's in the Bible. That's where they got it. You know... Once we start going where God wants us to go, he can get our attention or he can talk us out of where we're going if we need to. Because actually Balaam wasn't doing the right thing. And that's why the donkey needed to speak up. God is saying, get going where I need you to go. Do the things I've already said I want for you. And you don't even, you can't even imagine what's in store for you. I never for a second thought that I would end up in a place like Japan preaching the gospel. I, I, it just never even would have crossed my mind when I came here as a student. I was just thinking about going back to the West Coast and trying to lead my friends to Christ. That's it. While I was here, I met my wife. Actually, we met right back there by those chapel doors. My wife's from Lenexa. I know we got some Olathe people in the house. She, she, same thing. She just says, I don't, I don't, I didn't have any plan to go to Japan. I just came here to study the Bible and serve God. We went over there. Two of our kids were born there. My son Cooper was born there. You, you just—you never know what God has in store. Anybody stay in Goodman last night? The Haywards, dorm parents there, they went over to the jungle and translated the Bible into a language nobody's ever learned before. Steve Hayward, it was, it's beautiful to hear him tell the story. He actually started out like this dude over here that cheered last night when we talked about learning Hebrew. Yay, let's try to study languages. He just liked Greek. And turns out that in through his passion for Greek, God sent them to an environment where people had never heard a single word of the Bible before in their own language. And God used them in that way. Who knows? I don't know. But I think God is saying, just like snowboarding, you got to get going or this isn't going to work. Get moving. Do the things I've said I want you to do. I'm good. It's for your good. I'm not holding out for you. Holding out on you. I'm not hiding from you. I'm speaking. I've spoken. Are you listening? 
That's what I want you to hear today. God has spoken. He loves you. He's shown it through Jesus Christ. Just listen. Listen to the pages of his word. Would you commit yourself to reading the Bible? Who would go ahead and even say, by this time next year at Deeper Life, I want to read through at least the New Testament of the Bible? That's just this much. That's just this much. Can anybody raise your hand to say, I'm going to commit myself to reading the words of Scripture right now? We got at least one hand, two hands, three hands. Commit yourself. Say, I'm willing to put in a little bit of work to hear the voice of God in my life. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. I just want to pray for you now. And I want to pray that while you are here this weekend, that you can hear from Him. God has healing in mind for some of you from some of the pain he's had, you've had in your life. God has a cleansing for some of you that feel guilt and shame this weekend. God has a vision for you of what he can do with your life that he wants you to hear this weekend. God wants you to know that he loves you. He's spoken. Are you listening? God, thank you so much that we can come to together like this and worship you and, and talk about your word. And, and I just thank you that, that every person who's here today is, is actually a testimony to the ways you've spoken. That somebody shared the gospel with them. Somebody said, uh, I'm just trying to be faithful to pass on this good news to somebody else. And we're all here today because of that. And God, you are speaking. You're continuing to speak in and through your word, in and through your Holy Spirit in us. And I just pray today that you would help us to listen. Help us to feel uh, the joy and the peace that comes from knowing you're not holding out on us. You've got our good in mind. It's just on us now to listen. In Jesus' name, amen.